Today, I speak with a woman who believes so much in the power of pleasurable births that she took it to Parliament. No, not outside, but inside. Yes, she has the politicians listening. Alex Florschutz is a leading artist and art psychotherapist here in the UK. She is also leading the charge with the UK government's first ever cross-party manifesto based on birthing right. It's called the 1001 Critical Days Manifesto. It was launched by MP Andrea Leedson in October 2013. Now, Alex is quite an interesting woman. She is keen to talk about the 1001 days as she seeks to answer the all-important question of how did we birth a society that chose our present politics? Let's listen in to see what she has to say. Hello, Alex. Welcome to my show. Thank you for being here today. How are you? Yes, I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so impressed by everything I have read uh, about your work and the 1001 Critical Days. I'd like to begin by you introducing yourself and the 1001 Critical Days. Sure. Okay. So I... We'll start at the beginning because it sets the scene, it lays the foundation for where all this crazy work and exciting work has, has come from. I used to live in Bali in about 20 years ago. It was over wow. 20 years ago now. And one of the first things that I discovered when I went there to live as an artist was how they treated their children. They were just so kind and patient and loving. Children were always allowed to be around them and play and express themselves. And there was never a mention of, oh, they're being naughty or be quiet or sit still or don't be too much, don't express yourself too much. It was just really, really, everything was welcome. And I found that so amazing. And I thought to myself, if I ever have a child one day, this feels right to me. This whole kind of system that they have feels right. They were also very, um, the way that they, they treat motherhood and pregnancy and birth, because of their spiritual beliefs, they believe that the child comes from the spiritual world and makes a slow descent to earth. And their job is to kind of welcome it at every step of the way. And they don't let the child's feet touch the ground until about seven months after birth. And then people are always holding the baby and there's a really good attachment that they always create. So it's a really, really, really beautiful. And I was so moved by this that um, it wasn't surprising that I met a man and became pregnant in Bali. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, was wow. He was he Balinese? Yes, he was Balinese. Oh. And yeah, and we, we got married. And as soon as I was pregnant, which I knew straight away, Everybody was so positive and celebratory and, and, and you, you're revered. Motherhood is revered. And coming from the UK, you know, I was quite a feminist. I believed in sort of women's rights and women, you know, the power of women. And somehow didn't quite trust myself in this sort of motherhood realm. You know, I was, it was sort of something that I felt that was, I don't know, I was probably scared of. But in this environment in Bali, I felt somehow really tuned in to the flow and the feminine energy that 
kind of is in the in the ether and and this sort of joy that everybody projects onto you and the message that it's easy it's natural it's joyful it's what you do you know and i i know that it's different culture and all the rest of it nevertheless i my husband and i came back to england when i was 6 months pregnant and i was met with a completely different picture basically mm-hmm. i was told that it's dangerous and it's you know having your first child it's better to be in hospital and you've got a particular blood group so i had lots of very sort of medical messages which are you know relevant um but i found myself doubting myself you know that in bali i felt powerful and that i knew what to do and yeah. in england it kind of was beginning to shift. So I decided to go on a bit of a mission and see what um, <laughs> what I could find. Uh-huh. And that's when I met um, our mutual friend, Vinny, at a conference. And again, these positive messages were appearing in the speakers, you know, that there was this other way, this sort of more empowered way. And, and I tuned into that and I did a lot of work on myself, a lot of healing my own birth experience, my own um, childhood sort of experiences and thought patterns that had emerged from those experiences. And this realization that, you know, our psychology is, is starts before we're born. And that was quite interesting and amazing to me. And that our birth is our first experience of life. So, mm. so that started me on this, this sort of really kind of interesting journey and out of that I was very lucky to have an amazing home birth which was you know it was it was easy it was joyful it wasn't painful it was you know there was no medication or anything oh I'm so happy (laughs) and 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 that was you know and that was wonderful for me I know that since my research began more deeply and you know I know that every birth is different and every birth is perfect and yet there was something going on with our system that doesn't always support this flow oh god in the way (laughs) it just doesn't support the flow i'm sorry to say it but i'm seeing it in my nct group because i've recently had a baby myself and most of the messages you get, like you said, when you came to England are fear-based in the sense that this can go wrong, that can go wrong, that can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, and I said, uh, you know, to Binny as well, when I interviewed her, that it's not just with the women, it's the partners, it's the midwives, it's the parents of the women. Everyone that sort of influences the woman needs to sort of understand that there is another way. And as you said, and I totally agree with that, every way is perfect. It's just we're discussing one way which can be really joyful and there can be a lot of benefits, far-reaching benefits to it, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard enough having a baby, you know, whatever the birth is like, it's, it's, you know, you sleep deprived and you're giving everything to this this other human being and you know if you're if you're also struggling with a traumatic experience and I think in what I felt really strongly about was that nobody was talking about 
in this I'm talking, you know, 20 years ago, sort of 18, 20 years ago, nobody was talking about the fact that birth might affect the mother. You know, it is an experience that she's having. And yes, it's the experience the baby's having too. But I was thinking, well, women are just expected to give birth. It's like, well, you get, you give birth, it's, you know, it's painful, it's this, it's that, you know, there are all these kind of um, words that have been used over the years. Well, it's painful, it's difficult, you know, but women do it and you just have to get on with it. And get over it. <laughs> and yet <laughs> it has, you know, it, it has an impact on, it's an experience. You know, if some, if, if a woman got attacked, you know, they would, given support or you know given therapy or something but it's somehow in birth anything can be done to them and and I trained to be an art psychotherapist um, because I'm an, an artist and I believe that art has the power you know is has an amazing power to heal but also it's it doesn't confront you it's not like you're going to therapy because people still Back in the day when I was doing it, people don't didn't really want to admit to going to therapy. <laughs> you know, none of, none of none of us particularly kind of wanted to think like we're doing something that was therapy. But doing art, which is a form of expression, was an amazing way women could explore their pregnant journey, mm. or even after the birth, you know, explore their experience. So, for example, you know, if, if they did have a really difficult time and got pregnant again it seemed logical to me that if you were able to just you know look at that experience maybe heal it allow allow whatever you felt towards it to be expressed in a in a kind of a gentle creative way then it might free the way for your next birth to be its own its own you know (laughs) yeah yeah. no I'm very interested in this so what is art psychotherapy what is it how how does it work well in very simple terms it's using art materials so whether it's paint or pencils or crayons or collage or anything um to express how you're feeling you know thoughts or themes or um or it's just being in the environment where you can use the materials and you might not even know what you're doing, but mm-hmm. after reflecting on the image you've made, mm-hmm. maybe talking, you know, well, I think it's about this and maybe that, and I'm not sure about that. And then the, the person that you're with, the, the therapist might offer up what she or he may see. And, you know, you just like in in psychotherapy or other forms of therapy where you where you untangle something together you have you have an object or an art piece that you can that you can both talk about so it it's a language in itself Mm. when when words perhaps you, you know you don't have the words to speak you know you don't have the words for it but the artwork will speak for you Mm. I'm trying to imagine what you know my experience would look like I have an image Mm. in my mind but I can work on that another time (laughs) just Um, just play with some art materials and see what comes out and see what what, you know what what it feels like okay I will do that um well that brings me to you know your current project 
Do you want to talk to us about it? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so because of this um, work I've been doing with uh, pregnant women, I was invited onto a committee to create an art and science exhibition in Parliament. And this was, well, it was the, the end of 2015. Just before that, Andrea led some MP who um, created this manifesto that got cross-party support. So it's become the first children's cross-party manifesto. Mm -hmm. And it's called the 1001 Critical Days from Conception to Age Two. All the research that she was compiling was showing how the time from conception to age two is, is a rapid period of time where, where the brain grows you know, very, very fast and things can influence it. So there were particular things like domestic violence, perinatal mental health um, mm. and poor nutrition, you know, in particular. And that all, sorry, my cat's just deciding he wants a cuddle. <laughs> um, he, um, and that they could see how the effects of these um, sort of traumatic environments mm. or what have you could create a knock-on effect throughout the life course so mm. even even down to lowering your life expectancy through you know heart disease or cancer or whatever so mm. but the message is also that nothing is cast in stone the, the brain is you know has plasticity and so that's why it's really important that we invest in more services that can support women and families um, in this time so okay. we can you know help to heal and prevent any sort of knock-on effects so it's a really formative time and it just needs to be much more acknowledged and for example for each one year of birth cohorts it costs the government 8.1 billion pounds mm. each year to so instead of prevention it's costing huge amounts of money to sort of cure the situation. I mean, I think you're absolutely right because I think on average every C-section costs the NHS £800 or something. Mm. And if that, and since that is the preferred way of giving birth because the alternative is too unheard of or too scary or too, I don't know, seemingly obscure, you know, I don't, I don't see that being reason enough to not explore this further but it's the midwives that need to be bring brought into the conversation the obstetricians the hospitals mm. and i think it's about changing habits that we as a society are now <laughs> so fixed with mm. you know and a lot of what you're saying is seeming to me like you're asking or your manifesto or the manifesto you're discussing is essentially looking at changing the way the UK brings in new members of our society. And mm -hmm. I think if you look to Northern Europe, you know, they have a lot of measures and a lot of support for yes. their population. Yes. And yeah. The quality of their population is positively impacted. And Absolutely. I'd love for you to, you know, talk to that and why it is important uh, we discuss the quality of our population and how this can really influence that going forward. Yes. I mean, if you just take perinatal mental health, so depression during pregnancy and 
postnatal depression, which we've we've all heard of, you know, to support mental health services, as I said, costs 8.1 billion, but to prevent it would cost around 337 million. That's kind of a no-brainer. So why aren't we investing the money to, you know, in services that can support women to prevent perinatal mental health rather than just spending even more money to mop up afterwards? Plus being left with, you know, women having to have had these, you know, really difficult experiences. And also the research has shown that, you know, it can affect infant brain development. So it's it's like they have all the facts. They've got all the information. It's about getting the departments in Parliament to all agree that investing in this sort of 1,001 days period is Mm. the most important. I mean, you can take the environment, how they're kind of going, oh, yes, well, we've got more important things to do than worry about the environment. <laughs> it's the same thing. I don't see what more is more important than ensuring the human race, you know, that we have a healthy society and, we can and a healthy environment, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's a no-brainer to me. And they say that if, if they really invested in this time, it would change society in one generation yeah. by that because... It can create, you know, difficulties in in school and poor education, mental health problems in Mm -hmm. primary schools. It can lead to antisocial behaviour in teenagers with drug and alcohol abuse. It can affect um, employment rates, health. So if, if you're looking at that sort of whole trajectory, isn't it better that we support the beginning to make the trajectory a much more positive one and have a much more healthy society who's more useful, you know, to, to work and to have healthy families. And uh... I mean, in a sense, I don't know if you'd agree, and this probably might be too rash a statement, which I try and not make on my show, but to avoid what we're seeing in the States at the moment uh, with shootings in schools and, mm. you know, society just literally... I mean, at the brink of what the hell is going on, mm. I think birth certainly is one of those ways. And speaking to what you were, what you were talking about earlier, everybody seems to be finding themselves in the 21st century in this capsule that only is connected to economic growth. You know, I think it's not that we prefer economic growth over societal growth. It's just that we've gotten so far along with economic growth that we've forgotten there is this other aspect to our lives and that is going to determine our future and in a sense our present day uh, society is being called upon to make a change for the future absolutely and okay tell me what this 1001 days critical days campaign looks like and you know what your vision is for from it okay so so we had the exhibition in parliament so we bought we bought bought well we we had some wonderful artists and some top scientists who shared their abstracts so their their research and their work that they've done so they wrote an abstract about about what they do and um, we paired artists and scientists together and they had created this sort of dialogue and the artists made some some artwork and it was a beautiful synergy the 
exhibition was in Parliament, but only for the politicians. It was it was upstairs in the upper waiting hall, so it, it wasn't open to the public. But it was just after Brexit. It was just after the <laughs> referendum, so everyone was in Parliament and everyone was going through this, you know, this central lobby, and it it, it did create some really interesting conversations and sort of surprise you know politicians were like oh right you know like surprised at the you know what we kind of consider is perhaps quite obvious I was then because of my passion in this top this topic so the 1001 days is is it incorporates different themes but my personal passion is 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 the birth it's it's the pregnancy building up to the birth and how I believe that that bit is actually being missed out in the 1001 days. They kind of, oh, it's like, oh, yes, you know, pregnancy or mental health or nutrition and then, oh, attachment after the birth <laughs> and, and, and good, you know, and breastfeeding and all of this. And, and I'm sort of like, and what about the birth? It's like, oh, well that's fine well unless it's really really traumatic and it's like well have you looked at the statistics you know <laughs> pretty much every woman I've spoken to have, have had how do you get, experience how do you get a bunch of politicians in the 21st century in a country like United Kingdom to listen to you about birth <laughs> well <laughs> that's that's uh, well it's interesting because I've been to conferences where people have, you know, it's becoming a little bit more acceptable mm-hmm. on the, but if it's cla- classed as a traumatic birth, so it's sort of, you know, huge amounts of intervention and, you know, woman nearly dies and it's all very, very, very kind of difficult. So that, that's one end of the, the, the end of the, um, the spectrum where somehow it's, it's okay to pay attention to it. And I, I've always been very, pro or passionate about all women you know all women deserve to have that same level of support and kindness and and you know allowed to slow down birth is so hurried and rushed if you think if you think of making love it's the same it's the same thing you don't you don't make love to your partner with you know bright lights and an audience often you know (laughs) and medical equipment around you and being told how to do it no 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 you can't do it like that you need to you know you need to do it like this and so is birth you know and you also can't make love if you're tense or anxious or what is not as enjoyable and that's the same environment that you need for giving birth you know you need to feel safe women need to feel safe they need to feel that they have time that they can surrender they can let go that somebody's not looking at their watch saying if you don't hurry up we might have to you know intervene so of course that's you know every every woman wants to have a, a healthy baby we all want you know we're all doing our best and yet we trust the medical profession because we believe that they know best and you know they are amazing and I'm not I'm not for one minute will ever criticize them because 
No, they are amazing. They are amazing. amazing. And they're amazing. They're under pressure and, you know. Yes. But it's just the system that's kind of become a bit it's out of sync. It's not very holistic. Yeah, it's the system they're being amazing in that you're trying to influence on you. It's mm-hmm. not that you're saying the way we've done it wrong is their fault or no. XYZ's fault. You're just saying the system needs to embrace a new way of doing things. Yeah. And when you were speaking earlier, you know, about birth being similar to making love, the first thought that came up in my mind was that, honey, if you're going to choose to live in a big metropolitan city, you're not choosing a slow-paced life. Mm. And therefore, it's almost as if, I mean, look at the statistics. You get women move to cities or, you know, young couples move to cities. By the time you earn enough money to even contemplate having a child, Mm. you're exhausted. Yeah. Exactly. And, it, and then and then you're trying to maximize your your working hours when you're pregnant so that when mm. the baby comes your maternity mm. is long enough. Yeah. And 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 it's across society. I'm not saying it's at the lower end or at the upper end or at the middle end. It's across society. Women, you know, everyone I, I know as you were saying, all women want to give their children the best and they want yeah. to have the best experience. And somehow we just as women, we bridge that gap so quickly. We have an innate ability to adjust and move on. But but even as ourselves, we're always thinking about the baby when the baby comes. Mm. You know. Yes. And we we are we've so conditioned we're so conditioned to think about the future that we forget that the if if we, if we take care of the present, the future will take care of itself. And then society sort of moving along in this, I don't know, is it, is it a comfortable way that you can say that on a Tuesday at 1 p.m. I'm going to have a baby, there's going to be no pushing, there's going to be nothing. And that is how it's done. That is how it's done. Mm. And that is what is practical to live in a city like London or New York or Hong Kong. You know, it's just... Yeah. How how are you going to talk to those people that have already that have already sort of um, adjusted to this pace of life and have realized that a C-section is the most practical way? I mean, how do you talk? You know, what do you say to that? It's just almost it's this such a big gap Mm, mm. mentally that I don't know how one actually. Well, I think what I'm trying to do is is start the dialogue, start the conversation through art and through the, I say the science, but it's, I mean, we have professors and psychologists and public health um, director to, you know, someone who is into Chinese medicine and well-known people like Ina Mae Gaskin, um, psychologists like Steve Biddulph and so there's a, a real all-round um, perspective. So, you know, from sort of top top OBEs, head of midwifery um, programs at, you know, university to, you know, to somebody who works with um, pregnant women as a psychotherapist and um, or to somebody who treats babies after they're born uh, through craniosacral therapy, which is really powerful to help kind of you know it can help with them all sorts of things like colic or just rebalancing the the body after after birth so 
it just gives, it just offers food for thought. And I think through that, I'm hoping that we can start more of a conversation and, and maybe, maybe it's about, you know, cause I, I've been a single mother for quite a long time. And so I know what it's like to juggle trying to work with being a, a mother. Mm-hmm. And for me, being a mother, despite my very feminist <laughs> way, I actually think being a mother is a really, really important job. And it is actually one of the most important jobs we can do as women and, you know, as families, because we, we're nurturing the next generation, you know, and so, and we learn so much from our children, you know, they, they teach us so much about ourselves, if we're willing to listen, you know, their opinions matter, they're very, very wise. I mean, I, my son has taught me the most amazing things about myself, about life, it's not always been comfortable, but I've been willing to, to change and overcome my own self or my own conditioning to be the best parent I could be. I've not always been the best parent, but I've always tried. And I've always gone to bed going, okay, t- tomorrow's the, another day and I will, I will start again. <laughs> um, so I think it's something about valuing motherhood, valuing being a parent. And I bring fathers in because, as you were saying earlier, fathers are still very much left on the sideline. Mm. And their role is hugely important. Mm. They might not be doing the sort of the physical bit of pregnancy and birth. They have their own emotional journey. They also have had their own birth experience, which can often be activated. Mm. Men tend to like to fix things. So they want to kind of, they want to try and make us better. You know, yeah. their, their love is by saying, oh, what, you know, what, how can I make this better? And you're like, I need to scream, you know, because it, but in labor or something, I need to scream because that's what's working for me. It's not because I'm falling apart, you know. So, so, so men need a, a lot more support and support as fathers as well, that their role is really important. You know, a father, whether it's a father for a son or a father for a daughter, their yeah. role model them as a a role model is hugely important and I think they really need to be brought into the picture much more it's much better than it used to be but they they need to be valued much more and yeah so so would you say that that's very much a part of your vision then from the campaign yeah it's about raising awareness you know I can't I can't redesign the wheel all I can do is is raise awareness and and if I can get politicians to listen again and I think I think the nature of the exhibition it enables people it speaks to people um on the in their intellect you know in an intellectual way as well as a heart-based way so it can move you as well as inspire you you know your your mind um and i think that's often a good way of of changing opinions because people can often relate to it personally mm. and go oh you know 
because we've just we've just exhibited so so basically after the after the parliament exhibition um we exhibited in the john radcliffe hospital in oxford and that exhibition was evaluated and the the outcome of that was published in the lancet and basically it said that the model that we used did raise awareness it did it did you know make people think differently and yeah so it, it did the right job but i've adapted the exhibition and made it much more public friendly if you like um much more accessible for people from all walks of life and all well, well, this is actually the reason why I was so inspired to speak to you because of all the conversations I'm having in real life about birth and becoming a mom and, you know, the birth experience in general, I'm finding that there's a very practical, this is what it's like approach to mm-hmm. it. You know, this is, it's going to be bad, but, but you're, really lucky to live in London and have a good standard of living and you're going to get through it and we're all going to love you through it and you're going to be fine. And that seems to be the best that can be achieved. And then when you look at it from the hospital point of view, they seem to be so overbooked with births that Mm -hmm. they don't even have time to breathe. The 21st century, a busy city like London or even a busy society like we find in the United Kingdom, how do you get people to listen? And I think you touched upon so many beautiful things there. You're making your exhibition a way to reach out to people from different sectors of society, but also from different schools of thought. Mm. So, So they can actually, you know, process what you're asking them to think about Mm. in a delightful way isn't it Um, yeah yeah. yeah. and I'd like to I'd like to know more about your upcoming exhibition and where uh, listeners could catch it because I think it's really really important that people get to see it yes no it would be wonderful so we're exhibiting next week in um, in London at the Fitzrovia Chapel and that's in Pearson Square, Pearson Square, London. Is it W1T 3BT, I think? 3BF, that's it, yeah. Um, so it, I think the nearest tube station is Oxford Circus or... Warren Street as well. Warren, yeah. <clears throat> and um, so it's the private view is on the 11th of June from 6 till 8. You need to email me, alex at... 02expo.com that's z-e-r-o-2 e-x-p-o dot com and then it's open to the public on Wednesday the 12th of June from 11 a.m till 4 p.m so do come along it'd be great great to see you Um, we've just exhibited in the Brighton Fringe Festival which was amazing and again the people that came to speak to us after seeing it whether it was a health visitor or midwives, you know, midwives were saying, got to get this, you know, in midwifery programs, in, in hospitals. And others were saying, we've got to get this into universities because it can help inspire the way 
programs are written, like you know, um, midwifery programs. It can also help inspire young people before they're even perhaps thinking of getting pregnant. We've been, there's a potential that we might go to the United Nations. The exhibition is a portable exhibition and it, it's also available uh, to be hired. So if somebody has an event or a conference or something special that aligns with our values, they can hire it to support their, 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 you know, their situation. The idea is that it can it can move to wherever it needs to go and hopefully inspire people and and spread the word and hopefully impact some kind of positive change. Wow, you've really done a lot and put so much thought into it to make it so easily accessible to everybody. I I did think of something when you were just speaking that I feel it's not just the future generation, but also you know, the mothers of women who are having children that need to be informed about this new way or a different way. Because I think the idea, especially of ecstatic birth or, you know, having a joyful birth is very much linked to being a hippie. Exactly. You have to be a hippie to want something like that. And I think with the Duchess of Sussex, having had a birthing partner doula Mm -hmm. hopefully the awareness of it uh will increase yes yes i hope so yeah. (laughs) yeah i have to say if i could just say that was that was exactly my judgment about myself when I came back to the United Kingdom yeah. when I was six months pregnant. So I had been, you know, in a very kind of trusting state in Bali, came back and thought, oh gosh. And I was at this lovely group with um, mothers where we did a little bit of yoga and shared a little bit about ourselves and had tea and biscuits. And it was really, really lovely. And it was very gentle and nurturing. And I remember there were some women who were sitting there and they were just like really relaxed. And they said, yeah, and I had my first child by by the fireplace in my home. And it was really lovely and wonderful. And I just thought, oh, I wish I could be like that, you know. And I, I thought they were sort of like, well, they're sort of earth mothers. And so they, yeah. they, they it comes easy to them. And I wish I could be like that. And then I realized well, I can, let's see, you know, let's see what I can do. And so, you know, the, the journey I, I went on to trust my own body wisdom. And, and I know that sounds very like, mm, trust my own body wisdom. But, you know, it was, it was somehow about trusting that my body knew what to do, that I had to just get out of my own way, allow myself to really relax into that sort of zone that, you know, because birth is you go into a different zone. You have to go out of your intellectual brain into your other primal brain where you're not interrupted, you're not asked questions about where you live and what, you know, (laughs) and you're often like given questions to ask. And being in that environment, I would say, you know, my midwife who came, she was a bit fidgety and nervous about, you know, this another one of these crazy women wanting to, you know, give birth at home. And so she was, I could feel she was on a kind of, she was nervous. Yeah. And she was kind of, you know, looking at her watch and sort of, are you okay? So I had to sort of shoo her out of the room and um, allow myself to 
you know, tune into what I felt. I felt okay. I knew when to push. I knew what I needed to do. And, and that worked. Mm. And the birth was, you know, straightforward. It didn't require any pain relief. And I can swear on my life that it wasn't painful. There was two rushes that were a bit painful. And that's because I was lying down when she wanted to give me a little internal, you know, and again, how many centimeters you are? Oh, you're only this centimeters, you know, again, makes women. Okay. So I'm not very far. Oh my God. I think that's, that (laughs) definitely happened with me. And I also now know that when you go into labor, you become quite vulnerable to the energies around you. Absolutely. I think I picked up on everybody's energy around me as well. And I had such terrible, what's, is it it heartburn? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've never had heartburn, not through my pregnancy, never in my life. (laughs) And I was picking up on everything and I was just in within myself wondering, why the hell is this happening? Why the Mm -hmm. hell is this happening? Everything's been perfect. Everything's been perfect. And anyway, I think, yes, the lack of progress of labor is definitely what caused me to have the epidural to mm-hmm. then have that other trip that they give you and then have an emergency C-section and then everything else that happened. But I think now looking back, when I, when I was told, oh, you haven't progressed, if I had just had the strength to go into myself or had my birthing teacher, Binny there or someone to say, listen, you've still got this. You've got this. Just give yourself a chance. Clear away everybody. Because I remember being in the room and just saying to my husband, listen, you've got to just kill me because I can't take the pain anymore. Mm -hmm. I just can't. It's just too much. And it was just that my contractions were so close together and I thought I was dilated but I wasn't. And so at that point I just gave up and then I was in the hands of capable and able doctors, but I was in the medical sort of room. You kind of got sucked into the system. Yeah. And everybody, and, and, and majority of stories are like that. Yeah. So so it's about so many times. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about managing, really managing and all the, the NCT classes and bump and baby classes and whatnot, you know, we're very organized in our society these days. <laughs> Even though the message is quite clear of what kind of birth is better for society and for you and the child, I think what isn't clear is methods to ensure that. Mm, yeah. So if, if we were so good at organizing ourselves when it comes to going camping and <laughs> 10, ten cities to visit and things you need for the beach and exactly or so there, there just needs to be a, a list of things you need for when you go into labor in fact honestly if i had all the money in the world i would open a little hotel for women when they go into labor and i'd just have midwives there and i'd have birthing mm. professionals who are trained in this sort of way and mm. and i'd and i'd you know i'd I think that's what every woman should have. Well, I'll tell you two, um, two models that work. So one of them was, um, midwifery service in the East end of London, um, for 12 years. 
and it was uh, co-started by a midwife called Becky Reed, and she's quite well known. And what they did was provided a midwife, so two midwives, from the start of your pregnancy till after the baby was born. So you knew, so if, so you had one main midwife, but if she was unwell for some reason at the birth, you knew the other midwife. So you were, you were with these people that you knew really well by the time you gave birth and you felt really safe and comfortable. And their home birth rate was about 43%. Their intervention rate was something like 15%, which currently it's about 60%. Mm. And home home birth rate is is I know two percent something ridiculous. Um, yeah, because you know. who'd be so crazy, Alex? Who <laughs> would be so crazy? <laughs> so and and so they've just had this their model evaluated. Yeah, and and the outcome has said that because of this continuity of carer that they call it, yeah, so the midwife from all the way through was one of the the probably the the key um, reasons why women were having easier birthing experiences because they had this this midwife who they knew and trusted and who yeah. was able to just you know most births most births started at home anyway it's fine in hospital if you're having you know if you're just allowed to be and relax and and have a sort of create a kind of home environment so the statistics were incredible so that's one model the other model is and your readers can, or your listeners can um, Google Robin Lim, L-I-M, and she runs a birthing clinic in Bali called Bumi Sahat. So it's B-U-M-I-S-E-H-A-T. And I think they're pretty, you know, they hardly have any transfers to hospital. So women can give birth in baths filled with flower petals, with Women standing around them singing, then oh, damn their babies, babies into the world. Why did you know. I didn't speak to you beforehand. I got married in Bali. Could have just <gasps> oh no, oh wow, and given birth and then come back to London. <laughs> and it works, you know. So it's this sort of different attitude and this calmness and and this sort of belief that babies coming into the world matter and gentle gentle birth equals a gentle world you know they, yeah. they they've shown how well anyway Binny Binny talks about that how she does yeah takes our society but, very um, passionate yeah, yeah yeah you know there's the other thing that why would you want to bring in a gentle soul into a world that is so what's the right word what's the right word to describe the world we live in um so complex <laughs> complex and also so shrewd Yes. How does a gentle soul survive in a shrewd world? And I think it's the answer is you invite gentle things to your life when you're a gentle yeah. soul. Not necessarily, but you do. We yeah. have to change our consciousness, you know, because we're dealing with all this sort of chaos outside. Yeah. We have to set ourselves up differently. We have the power in ourselves. We need to empower ourselves. We cannot rely on systems anymore because they're yeah. all failing and crumbling whether it's the education system the health system the you know every system yeah we have to find the power in ourselves and particularly women it's it's time this time is for women to find their own power you know we need to heal our patriarchal wound we need to stop blaming everyone else for doing it to us we need to find 
our inner power and make choices that we feel is right for us and our family, our children, even if it's going against, you know, what is the current norm, like you were saying before, the economic growth, you know, we're all kind of having to work really hard and do, do, do and go and have all these sort of material possessions. Unfortunately, life is really expensive, um, which, you know, means that often we two parents, you know, we have to work. But how can we design our lives? We have the choice to, if we want to, design our lives to work for us. And if not, then we can shout about it. You know, let's let's pay parents to stay at home if they want to look after their own children. Yeah. Let's let's how can know, we be more like the Netherlands? Yeah, they yeah, do. exactly. It works mm. there. Yeah, you know, we can work here too. Yeah, um, and I'm not saying that women have to stay at home. I'm not saying that at all. You know, but. It, mother or father or partner you know there's different family constellations nowadays and whoever wants to stay at home and you know or work from home somehow we need to support that rather than make women or parents or families feel bad for for wanting to do that yeah for actually just being there you know yeah um this is out of time. <laughs> no, no, no. But I do, I do. We, we there's so much to talk about. But I do want you mm. to, before you go, talk to women, including myself, who had a difficult birth experience, but who want to give their children the best 1,001 days post birth. You know, talk to us. Tell us, is there hope? We haven't totally messed up ourselves and our children no. we were alive you know no. and well yeah so talk to us tell us tell us give us your wisdom well you have to know that you did it perfectly yes thank and you did really well you're amazing mother and your baby is fine and healthy and if you also want to find ways whatever way works for you to explore your experience and if it needs healing or just expressing or releasing then find a way that works for you whether it's through art whether it's through dance whether it's through talking to somebody whether it's through breath breath work allow that experience just to kind of you know make make peace with it or whatever you need to do Mm. Um, look after yourself you know we don't have to be super women. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to save the world just after we've had a baby. It's a big, you know, it has a big impact on your on your body and you're giving a lot to another human being. So give yourself a flipping break. Yes. <laughs> you know, allow yourself to have pleasure, find pleasure in, yeah. in things you do. You know, give yourself nurturing pleasure. Mm. Ask for what you want, you know invite your partner to support you in in ways bring him in you know make him feel part of it fathers or partners can you know if they look after their their if they they look after the mother then the mother can give more to the baby and i'm talking like that particularly just after birth because mm. the mother is hopefully if they can breastfeeding and creating that initial attachment and then, you know, and then it opens up. But that initial time is, um, you know, the if you look at psychology, you have the baby, 
then you have the mother circle around the baby and the father circle around the mother and baby and society around the father, mother and baby. (laughs) So that's the kind of picture. But, you know, none of this is supposed to kind of, you know, put any blame anywhere. There's no blame. It's just saying, look, you know, it all matters and just get help, you know, if you need help, get help and mm. don't suffer in silence and, you know, heal yourself, you know, heal, heal your body. I mean, having a, having full blown abdominal surgery is, is a massive thing. I can't imagine that, you know, a vaginal delivery, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? How mm. sort of somehow we can, some, some people can think that that's better option, but anyway, you still, perhaps can look after your and nurture your body your you know your physical body as well as your emotional body and I, just love 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 you know love love, love. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to hear that um yeah I mean as we move towards something new it's always important to acknowledge where we've been and how we've handled ourselves, you know, mm. and to give ourselves and our human experience that respect and love, as you said. Mm. And I think parenting and becoming a mom, as long as it's not in a traumatic situation, like a rape or, mm. you know, mm. kind of situation, and you're not in a war-torn country, I think becoming a parent is such a joyful mm. choice to make. And because of the industrial revolution and the thought that it sort of perpetuated, we everything's become an industry from birth to mm. baby clothes to mm. everything, you know. Mm. And I think we don't necessarily have to take that forward because guess what? We are so intelligent that we can actually click our fingers and the light goes off. So yeah. I'm yeah. sure we can figure out a way to de-industrialize birth and I'm so glad you're doing that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at about eighty years ago, births were usually they usually happened at home, and a midwife would pop round and she would sit in the corner knitting until she was needed, you know. And and that's that's how it used to be done. You know, it was much more sort of relaxed, and you don't need to impose yourself on on a birthing woman the whole time you know we just need to allow this and and create uh, and create the right environment I mean it's, I don't know if you read spiritual midwifery like no I Ina May Gaskin um mm-hmm. you know, she, she talks a lot about birth and uh and you know and all the births she's attended that's quite a an interesting an interesting read let's just celebrate <laughs> celebrate babies yes <laughs> and mothers and fathers yeah and us as human beings you know yeah. let's celebrate the human race let's date our egos but marry our soul and I think mm. the fear be around birth and becoming parents and the pressures are very much mm. ego enhancing in a mm. negative way yeah you know, and you can enhance your ego in a positive way and then you yeah. almost yeah. expand into your soul. So yeah. Yeah. let's let's do that. Let's do that with our children. And children invite us to do that if we're yeah. if we're listening. If, oh yes. Yes. <laughs> we didn't get to talk about that, but perhaps for another <laughs> another time. Yeah. Yeah. We're all miracles. So <laughs> we are. We are. Thank you so much, Alex. Oh, 
and such You're a welcome chat and uh, so hopeful. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Lots of food for thought there. How do we go back to the old ways of nourishing and nurturing men and women as they become parents? Everything is so rushed and scheduled in the 21st century. How can we just let it all flow? Can we really? Well, if we must, the first step is always dialogue around the subject. And that's what I hope I have achieved for you today. More importantly, if you are curious about Alex's work, she is holding an art exhibition next Tuesday in central London. Go take a look at what's got our parliament and politicians talking about birth and not Brexit. This is your host, Serafina, leaving you with a little more love for life. <laughs>